0: Head over to jensheitland.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. But now, let's get started with the podcast.
1: The magic, land, magic, the magic, magical...
0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Jens Heitland Show where I connect the dots of innovation and entrepreneurship. My name is Jens Heitland, and welcome to the show. Welcome back, guys. How are you doing? Hungry. <laughs> everyone is silent. <laughs> now, for those who are listening, we have already joked half an hour now, and we said we need to start recording because we are having so much fun. We should have recorded from the beginning. Maybe we do that next time, and then I just cut out a couple of things on the go. Yeah. So today it's about the superpower of innovation, and we take it super high level. Last time Dennis was starting, today, who is going to start? (laughs) Okay, uh, not me, which means Joshua. Okay. Okay. When you hear about the superpowers of innovation, what are your first thoughts that come in mind? Let's do a rapid fire round first.
2: Cool. Well, rapid fire, glad that we're recording this time and that you're not <laughs> going to have to do a take three or take four. So yeah, Jens, Vanna, Dennis, great to be back at another get-together of the Innovation Breakfast. So thanks for everyone's time and looking forward to exploring the superpower of innovation. So in preparation for this conversation, sort of where I started thinking about the superpower was I went back to a book titled How Innovation Works and the author is Matt Ridley. And those on the call may have read it, may have heard of Matt's thinking. And one of the biggest things inside of that book that he differentiates is the differential elements of invention versus innovation. And why I want to start with that is because then I think that's a good bedrock to start this discussion about innovation. And I think invention just quickly is obviously bringing an idea into the world. So if you think about Thomas Edison and the light bulb or the steam engine and some of those great inventions that changed the way that we live and work. And innovation is really about doing the work to make the invention accessible to other people around the world. And that for me is the superpower of innovation is because you have the ability to take a crazy good idea and bring it out into the world to make it accessible and actually change some of the thinking in the way that we live our lives.
0: That's Mm. a start. Mm. Good start. So because Werner was happy to push the first, but to to Joshua, let's move on to Werner.
3: Yeah, so I mean, I think Joshua made a a good opening point there. And I actually recently, so when I started thinking about innovation or when I engaged with a lot of innovation related conversations, especially with my background, sometimes it was like there's this kind of relation to innovation and future technologies and this classic old Steve Jobs with his iPhone in his hand, you know what I'm talking about. And it is actually embarrassingly, and not that I I rolled like that because, I mean, you have this kind of human-centered design principles, but I think one of the superpowers, if I have to really think about innovation, is about how you connect with the people that you're actually building this innovation for. And this is very tough things to have. I need to build some of those up, like, for example, the ability to listen to people, not only the customers, but the different kinds of people in your team, empathy, empathy, being able to see the world through other people's eyes, all those kind of human-centric abilities, I think, should be in your toolbox and in your superpower utility belt if you go into the world of innovation. So that's kind of where I want to kick off with.
1: What do you think, Dennis? So... I would say in total agreement with you, but that's no fun. So (laughs) (laughs) so yesterday I was talking with a daughter of an old client, acquaintance of mine. She's 18 now and she's starting a business and she wanted to know a little bit more about the Bismol Canvas. And it ended up being a, I would say more of a coaching call about how to start full stop. Just how do you start? And I ended up saying pretty much the same thing, connecting to the people who you're doing things for. But it's a combination of finding what you can do for a long time. So let's say if you are an innovator and you find your innovation specific innovation powers, you develop it because you're going to be able to do that for a longer period of time. And then when you can match that to the people that can use that in a good way or that you can fulfill their needs in the right manner, Then you have something uh, sustainable that will last you for a very long time. And it's a combination there that's so interesting. You can have all kinds of templates and powers and uh, things that are important to know. But uh, I would say the most important thing is to know that you have to combine a whole lot of things. And that is content and people mostly. So content is my, I would say, superpower. I don't like people particularly that much. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> I like to know. I like being with people and interacting with people, but they get in the way of my solving a problem. That's why there are people who are really good at working with people who are going to solve a problem. Like Jens. Jens is really good at working <laughs> with people who will solve problems together. And that's why I like working with Jens.
0: <laughs> that was a plug.
3: <laughs> Where's the affiliate link? Yeah, yeah. It, it's
0: down there. <laughs> <laughs> So I would like to challenge us because I agree with what you said, guys, but we talk the superpowers of innovation. I think we talked until now, we talked about what are the power, like what is the power of innovation? And I agree with the points and that's what everyone else will talk about in other shows. Yeah. But let's talk about these superpowers. Like what is the extraordinary topics where innovation is really interesting, like not the mainstream stuff. For me, if we lift that up, I think it's making complexity simple through innovation, solving complex problems in a very, very simple way, and doing that with all the things you mentioned. But it's just, if you're able to do that, you are owning a superpower in a way that you basically, you shift markets, you shift companies. Joshua. I love what you said there, Jens. So there's something called the butterfly effect,
2: which talks about small changes can have extraordinary effects on the end goal that you get to. And if we talk about innovation being a superpower, could we say that innovation is the ability to make small incremental changes that have large-scale extraordinary effects on the ideas and concepts that we're working on inside of the workplace or even our own minds, for example?
0: Yeah, love that. Because working with large corporation, it's always the shiny object thing. It's like everyone is jumping. When you talk about real estate and retail, the topics I work with, it's like, hey, you work with a shopping center. And a couple of years back, it was like, hey, we need to get an indoor navigation on an app. And everyone was jumping on the technology rather than understanding what you want to do with it. That's not innovation. That's just, yeah, it's a shiny object that sounds nice and that maybe solves the problem, but it's not really helping you to bring your business forward if your business is not working. So it's rather if you zoom out and look into what is the complexity you need to solve in that environment for that specific, let's say, use case, that's the superpower you can bring in as an external or internal person.
1: I tend to agree in the sense that the superpower then is to, the ability to zoom in and zoom out and make sense of what you find to the people who are zooming in, zooming out with. Because that's, the I would say, one of the biggest problems is that you can zoom in, but you can get lost and mm. nobody knows what you're talking about. And when nobody's listening, then you don't have the power. So the idea is to be able to zoom in and zoom out and be able to come out with coherent insights that help a process or create invention, stimulate innovative uh, processes, whatever. It is the ability to zoom in and zoom out. It's like the flexible focus thing that we learned in a Polish magic castle. A couple of years back. <laughs> but to tell that story a little bit, because the idea about flexible focus that we were taught there came from Mark Ordensky, who got it from somebody else. But he applied it in an example. He's the was it, executive producer, producer of, Lord, yeah. of the Rings, uh, Lord of the Rings. He said the success of that movie was the ability to link the smallest emotional moments To the big picture. So whenever they went into a very small moment or a big emotional moment, they were able to link it back to what that meant to the advancements of Frodo and Sam to put the ring in the mountain. And the ability to be able to do that, that's where people they don't get that. When you say you have to make it simple, we have to make solving complexity in a simple way, it's not simple at all. But we see We make it seem simple. And that's where the superpower is.
0: Yeah, love that. So from a definition perspective, we have two points until now. Make the complex simple you just mentioned. And then there's the ability to do the flexible focus, which is the zoom in, zoom out. What else do we find if we do a definition thingy? Joshua. The third
2: point, and maybe building off and linking a few dots inside of the, the things that we've chatted about, is the ability to learn from the lessons of history. And I think that that is a superpower of innovation because very quickly, when we think about and going back to the the starting point that I mentioned, the difference between invention and innovation is sometimes when we innovate, we can learn from the mistakes of others that have gone before us and the achievements of others that have gone before us. And so I think that that's a superpower to be able to understand lessons and complexity from historical events and different processes that have helped us to get to today's state But not necessarily saying that and recognizing that we're in today, but got us here, might not what gets us to the next phase that we're looking forward to.
1: But then I have a question for you, because it is, I would say, a superpower to be able to look back and learn from history. But what is the true superpower that leads you to be able to do that? What makes you be able to look back and learn? What lies beyond that? So
2: I think that if we maybe go right back down to the roots and simplify it and we say that it's the acknowledgement that we don't know everything and in accepting that we don't know everything and that we can learn from others, we have to have that inquisitive nature. So first is the recognition that we don't know everything. And then the second element is around the inquisitive nature, which makes you or gives you a drive to be innovative in your thinking and creation of the next phase that we're working towards.
1: So is is inquisitiveness, is it the same as curiosity?
2: Yeah, I would say, yes, you could draw similarities between the two.
1: Yeah. So because those things are, I would say, traits. I don't know if they are superpowers, but they are traits of innovators. Innovators tend to be curious for the next or the other thing that lies beyond or comes from something that has been achieved before. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he has a question to throw, and Van, I'll maybe ask
2: your opinion on this, but do we all have these traits and what then turns them into superpowers? Yeah, so
3: the thing is like it's interesting because I'm sitting on this thing and I'm that I want to share. And, and your question actually relates to exactly that because maybe it's also about realigning where we for our, where are where we're sitting in this conversation. Because when I stepped into this conversation, I was really thinking about either the individuals that we are creating for, like what you mentioned in the beginning of your opening statement, or at least the people in the team. And I can't help but getting stuck with that because to your question that you just asked me, because I'm rambling, is that I don't think that is true, right? Because the one superpower that I'm trying to sit on and I'm trying to figure out how I can articulate it, and the only way I can say it is radically giving a shit. And I'll tell you why I'm saying this, is that in my career, I've been in many innovation projects. I've worked with a lot of people. I've seen a lot of projects. I've been around the block but I can pinpoint and I can remember exactly the times that I worked with people who radically gave a shit about what they were doing. So they had all the traits like curiosity, creativity. We knew the frameworks, we were going through the process, but I felt that this person or this teammate, and I like to work with people like that, really fundamentally cared about what they were doing. And I think a lot of teams, a lot of companies are going through the paces of innovation because you can follow it like a recipe. And I think that is a superpower because you can do it, you can bake the cake, or you can bake something really awesome. And that missing ingredient that I can't always pinpoint is that radically caring. I sometimes say to people, I think because innovation also relates very closely to human centered design, where you have to research, you need to be empathetic to people you build, but you mustn't forget that there is a business element to it. But then there's also your element to it. When I look at Dennis's work, he's putting, there's a little bit of Dennis in there and Johnny Ive he's made his stamp. And I think we all need to, when we build these things, be able to put our stamp on it. But to do that, you really need to care. That doesn't come from doing a few canvases and sticky notes on a wall.
0: Yeah. and I 100% agree. What I love about that, it's basically, you see that this person is caring, you see that this person is all in, and that's through the passion you feel. So that's, I think, very, very important point. It's not just hey, I'm now working on innovation and I'm doing it. I'm innovating our business model, like a lot of companies are saying. And then you see like, yeah, they're doing just brushing the surface. They're not really deeply into it. And then they're not deeply into how do we change what we want to do with it? Because a business model change in itself has no purpose, which then goes back to the user or the customer, depending on what your business is in, to support them in a different way than you yeah. have done it before, to provide value in a different way.
1: But you're solving there something that doesn't really connect with the radically caring about it. In that sense, that's something you can do by formula. That's what people are asking for. You can say, well, we need an innovation process to uh, do a new business model that links to the market. It's like, yeah, okay, you know, we get that and that, and that from the shelf. And we go through the paces yeah. and you can do that. Yeah. But that doesn't really link to what Werner just made surface up. I think the radically giving a shit and or fundamentally caring about something is what makes a difference. And I think I can add one more to that. When you're able to do that, you become a time traveler of a certain subject. And this links directly to Joshua's thing. Yeah. Because... When you are radically caring about something, your focus on that one thing carries over time for maybe 30, maybe even 50, 60 years. And then you become an expert on that thing. And you're able to link all of those things together. Something that a lot of people who don't care radically or fundamentally about that specific thing, they're not able to do that because they don't have all the context about that specific thing. So being able to be patient, maybe patience and caring these are traits that are maybe also they are superpowers in the sense that you have yeah. to be able to wait and stick it out and do the work, all those things. And this pertains to any kind of profession that you do, not specifically innovation. Yeah,
3: And the thing is, you mm-hmm. can feel it, right? And Sorry, Josh, I just want to say, I have this, I call it the dancing monkey test, because when I work with teams... Because you usually have like this kind of initial kind of engagement where you get people around the table and you see where this thing is going to go. And like you said, Dennis, you can put down the recipe of what you're going to do. And I can usually see when teams aren't bought into this or people aren't buying into it, as a facilitator, you feel like you have to be a dancing monkey to try and get these guys energized. And a couple of years ago, I said to myself, I'm not being a dancing monkey anymore. If you come to these things and we work together, we start collaborating. And as soon as I start feeling like I have to be a dancing monkey, i'm out of there (laughs) like we need to stop the process
1: and i can say that that is a superpower in itself because people can get stuck in selling their ability to make other teams dance you know and then you become a monkey and monkeys are cool animals and they're and they have all kinds of very interesting mannerisms and traits but at some point you grow up and say well this is not what i want to focus on and being able to say that that's a superpower no more. <laughs> so what's, that, what's that? No more what's, monkeys. What's, Oh
2: shit. What's that saying? It's a lot harder to say no than it is to say yes.
1: And, Maybe that's and, the most uh, important superpower of all. I know a lot of people who struggle with this every day. And I can literally just say no a couple of times to something, you know, risk something by being able to lose it. You know, if you have a good client that you want to work for, dare to say no because they don't want to pay you the certain price. That's a superpower to be able to do, but because a lot of people don't dare to do that.
0: If we link that to other innovation topics, I think it's also important that comes a bit to the passion perspective and caring about it. It's like you care so deeply that you don't listen to everyone, that you basically switch off to the noise that comes from the outside, where a lot of people are saying, Hey, you shouldn't do that, but you care so much, you believe so much in it that you go through the walls. And I think that's also a superpower to. Listen, but not getting influenced by it. It's like taking the noise in and then saying, I still evaluate it based on my perspective. I'm understanding you. I'm listening to you and I see your perspective, but I will not do it. And I decided for myself in going further that route. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And if I may share, I think this is interesting because you touched on something, Jens, because I also tend to grab the passion title or you want someone to be passionate. But I've also seen that you get involved in projects, and I've experienced this, where there's these overbearing people who are fundamentally, if you really dig deep, so passionate about what they're doing, that they're like a force of nature, right? Yeah. They're just kind of like a all over you, and you have to actually take people along. And there's this, I think it's in Power of Moments, which is, I think, a little bit unrelated to innovation by Chip and Dan Heath, where he kind of unpacks this thing, and it's more about experience. But the thing is, there's a difference between passion and purpose. So Passion is something that you feel that's a very centric thing. It's not bad, but I'm passionate about paintball. The rest of the people don't care. And I'm passionate about X, Y, and Z. But when you start playing with the word purpose, purpose is something that you can get a lot of people to rally around. So, you know, maybe it's about really being driven by a purpose. And then I want to say a common purpose. And then you can actually take people along for the ride, right? So it's like being able to identify when someone is driven by passion and that can be a good or bad thing or aligning with a common purpose.
2: Vanda, just double clicking on that quickly and linking back to something that Jens mentioned around evaluation. And I think before we started recording, we were talking about storytelling, you know, and the high level views of what drives innovation and these characteristics that make innovative people who they are. And I think key point is around evaluation, but I loved how you defined defining the purpose. Because I think if you are able to tell that story, which involves actively listening, and pulling on the key strings that make people want to do things, you can become an innovator because then you can drive that collective action, which can accelerate growth and accelerate mm-hmm. forward movement inside of different spaces.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, super summary. I want to just highlight the five points we worked out so far. So superpowers of innovation is make the complex simple. Then we have had the ability to do the flexible focus, which is the zoom in, zoom out perspective. Then we had the time perspective in that, which the time traveler learned from the lessons of the history. And I just added it in my notes, at least, as well using that to project forward. So looking into the future with the lessons of the past, even that we haven't said it, I just wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you can do if you're the host.
1: Yeah, (laughs) And And it's true. And it's true.
0: Yeah, exactly. Then it was said. Now, then number four is, This caring of what you're doing, which is fundamentally care, patience, passion and purpose driven. And then the last point we just went into is no to say no and really not listening and going into that.
1: The last one is not just saying no. It's the balance between yes and no. Okay. Not just saying no, because you have to also know when to say yes. That's true. Otherwise, it becomes a negative superpower.
0: Yeah. For me, it's always like this switching off the noise. You see, that's, because that's Jens is it. in
3: default yes mode. That's why he's going I am. With the, I mean, but, I, but the, that's a good thing, right? I'm in Dennis line. It's like I'm a default no. Grumpy cat, right? But that's kind I'm of a default yes. I'm a, I'm a, undef- yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm a guy. <laughs> Come on, Dennis. <laughs> Join me here. I'm being a fool, but I think that's the premise. Is you're in this mode of, yeah, yeah, we're gonna do this. It's very really hard to flick and say, okay, maybe this is a bit
1: crazy or <laughs> okay you know, so like... no, Jens, before you move on if we know this you've made this summary if we then say we draw a character of the innovation superperson, yeah how would this person carry him or herself coming in to this conversation that's we, a good one like the
0: superhero of innovation
1: yeah so would the superhero of innovation make him or herself known as the superhero of innovation
0: I
3: would call it innovateur.
1: Of course. That's the second uh, link.
3: Plug. Another <laughs> shameless, shameless <laughs> like.
1: But I have a new word for you because I learned this weekend, I don't know why, because I was falling down some content rabbit hole, but I found animateur. Yeah, I and, have it already. Yeah, because the animator. I yeah,
2: instant that to me a couple of weeks back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the animator is a person who is able to animate all the things in a process. Yeah, it's like the puppet master
2: almost. So, Dennis, what you're saying there about the superhero, and it actually goes back to a conversation that we had over the weekend about celebrating the history of the internet and the project that you'd been involved in in 2017. And it comes back to that purpose and that storytelling element of innovation inside of that space. (laughs) And the biggest thing that, Dennis, in that visual that you drew and that you helped build out was the ability to connect different phases of change. And I think that that's something which, going back to the point of learning from history and things like that, it's, and then connecting the evaluation point, is how as an innovator do you enable those different connections to take place? Because I think it's one thing having the invention, so inventing an idea, but how do you actually facilitate those connections as an innovator inside of the yeah. space, which in its sense is the superpower to drive the change? Yeah,
1: very good.
3: And And then it's like, I mean, the interesting thing, I had a conversation with someone else. I mean, Joshua, you've mentioned storytelling a few times. And I think at some stage in the UX world, right, in user experience design, the word empathy and storytelling became like, if someone says it again, I'm going to stuff my finger in my ear, right? There's articles written. I just want to like jump out the window if someone mentions it. But I think if you really grasp or if you grab it, and I think, for example, the storytelling bit, I think it's become really important but not necessarily the way that people think it becomes important because someone challenged me, for example, to say, if I make a statement in a innovation breakfast to say the world is blue, can I substantiate that, illustrate that, explain it and prove it by telling a story related to my statement. And Dennis is kind of what you always do, right? You, you can draw a picture, you make a statement and then boom, there's a visualization kind of of your strategy. And I think that's one of the important things that, storytelling has become kind of another keyword that's jumped in my mind now, especially like we're all dipping into this world of content strategy. And I see it all the time where we, for example, like Jens comes online and says, I'm going to show a million people how to innovate. And what I like about it, you go to his website and you see the proof there, right? And he can tell the stories and he can tell all the things, but there's so many other instances where It's just empty statements. It's like these Instagram cards. And I think we have too many of those. And I think it also directly relates to innovation. I sit in all these meetings where people make statements about best practice, but no one can actually tell a story of where they implemented it, where it either failed
1: or worked. That's the little bit of the point because there's a culture that has surfaced by a little bit caused by the model thinking and visualization and stuff like that is that people want to have Processes simplified and bit sized so that they can accelerate and jump over all of the developments that people usually do when they innovate because they want to move faster, move quicker, get rid of all the fluff, get rid of all the things that are not necessary that we don't want to pay for. And the idea, I think, one of the superpowers of true innovators are that they are patient and because they know that innovation comes when you steadily make the incremental. Changes and are able to connect them over time, like you said, Joshua.
0: I have that all the time. That's so 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 important. I mean, that's a human thing in general. Like we try to get the fastest return, we try to get the fastest way to something, and it just doesn't work. If you open a business, it's a long-term game, and that's what you see going back to Vanners. Like there are people selling, yeah, get rich in twenty days, get rich in fifty days, whatever they work on, do this in copywriting, do this and do a funnel here, do a thing there. And all of that works, but only if you play a long-term game and that's what nobody's selling with you because people will not buy it right now. It's just like, okay, if I'm doing this, then I will get revenue off that in five years from now. But that means you need to do this continuously. Like people starting a podcast. And we talked about that last time that a lot of podcast hosts stop. Podcasting after 10 episodes because they didn't earn money with it. It's like, yeah, of course not.
1: Isn't there a problem then with the perceived, I would say, worlds that people get in their heads when they hear the word innovation or innovators? That it is a fast paced, moving world that is all about what happens in the now and fast cash, entrepreneurial, all the stuff that we've been talking about, actually. But what we're actually saying is that it is a long game and it is very hard and it is interconnected and it's extremely complex and it's not something you can take a shortcut at.
2: Yeah, that in itself, Dennis, is the power or the superpower of an innovator is to recognize the work that needs to be done now inside of the overall vision and longer term view inside of that space. So it's identifying that complexity but not shying away from the work that you need to do in the here and now to allow us to achieve that longer-term objective. Because if you think about great companies like the Amazons of the world and the views that they had and the situations that they found themselves in, they innovated inside of those different spaces and iterated to allow them to move towards that longer-term view. But yeah. they carried people to link back to something that Vanne mentioned is how do you create a passion for people to cling to and to work towards? They created that passion and that story inside of Amazon to allow people to do the actual work yeah. while the innovator was having that overall long-term view.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I have one to add to go. that because I'm going like, this is going to be the <laughs> third link in the show, affiliate link for Jens. But <laughs> this is, a, I think, something that is underplayed and I can tell a story about it because I heard it in a conversation with a senior person in a big technology organization. And I think a lot of people are going to say, no, Vanna, you're wrong. I think honesty is one of the big superpowers that current innovators need to actually have. Because the thing is, I think we are all selling each other bullshit in meetings and to our CEOs. And the thing is, we do not want to talk about our failures. So being hyper honest about what is happening, because I mean, I think what Dennis touched on about people feeling like it's super fast process. I think a lot of People out there, or when we have the conversations or when we grab the books, I mean, maybe books is the wrong term, is that there's this feeling being created that you're going to get your solution tomorrow. That's a lie, yeah hmm. it doesn't work like that, and I think some of us who are sitting in the trenches need to be honest about what is actually going into this, because you know half the time I mean you don't want to show your manager all the mistakes and whatever is that things are ugly, things Most don't work, you yeah. Know?
1: is to be honest about the beast of innovation which is yeah be honest but do we, do we get to the kryptonites because how do we link this to the kryptonites
3: PowerPoint that's the kryptonite <laughs> yeah. oh yeah well yes yes it is
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i think the kryptonite is as well the demand of the society and the place where we are all in right now that things need to be fixed immediately yeah like hey we need to vaccinate and tomorrow it needs to be there that we just accelerated. I was talking to Ruth yesterday where it was off the recording, where we basically fast tracked the production of vaccinate, which normally takes like 10 years to one year. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's awesome progress. I know it's a little bit more pressure than usual, but it's still hard and we still need to get that way. If you order something today, it needs to be there tomorrow. Five years ago, it took three, four weeks, and that was normal. And as soon as you get something directly, this instant gratification, I talk a lot around that with Joshua in the moment. We're so getting used to that. If you don't get it, you're directly off. Because our attention span is so small. It gets upset. For a lot of people.
3: Angry, man. Have you seen that big ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal? Like, everybody's (laughs) upset. Like, why can't they move the ship?
1: Have you seen that ship? Yeah. It's a big-ass ship. <laughs> and who comes to pick it out of the mud? The Dutch? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, So just digging
0: deeper into that, for me, it's, I think there's fundamentally something wrong in society right now where everyone is expecting a quick yeah. fix for everything. And that is going to business, going into everything you do. It's like everyone thinks it's possible to do tomorrow. And it's just not possible. And that's what a lot of people play that role. If you just scroll in entrepreneurship groups in Facebook, I mean, you see people are selling short tracks. Yeah. Like, hey, I have learned this over 20 years and I'm trying to explain it to you in the minute. And then you will be yeah. as successful as I am with 20 years experience. It's not going to work. But that's the way just you the, can sell things. Yeah,
2: and maybe just to try and talk about the kryptonite and potentially that then is the kryptonite and that is the character that is being created inside of that space to allow people to shift their thinking from instant gratification to a more longer-term view and if we talk about kryptonite obviously sometimes we think about hey we're going to flick that switch and everything is going to work but it's the recognition that actually understanding and unearthing the deeper work that needs to get done to make things work because i think to the point of instant gratification we all switch a light switch in our house now and we've got power and we've got lights that turn on or we were talking about before we started recording about internet connectivity we've got all of those things but if you look at the amount of work that's gone in to get the world to where it is today that is an innovation process all in itself and that is the kryptonite in my opinion because the kryptonite which is then linked together by the character to allow people to shift their thinking and to force people without really getting them to realize that inside of that space.
3: I wonder, like, just riffing off what you're saying is like, because I agree, I think this instant gratification is a challenge, but I don't know if it's really, if that is the actual problem or challenge, because I'm trying to see if I can't redefine it. So for example, if I grab my phone and I switch it on, I want it to switch on in a second. So there's certain times that that instant gratification needs to be there. I make my coffee and boom, I get my fix. And this is a horrible analogy, right? But I think we need to be able to differentiate when are we supposed to go fast and when are we supposed to, or when things might be, and maybe it's the ability to understand patience, better framing things properly. I'm just trying to lift it up because I know I sometimes struggle that where you, everything is now in the innovation process. No, like certain things, certain companies are not going to innovate. They're just doing what they're doing. We need to make the toilet paper so we can do what we need to do. Other companies do other things and we just need to be able to, I don't know how to frame that. You're
1: making the statement for the supervillain. So if you now project what we're doing, the kryptonite, now kryptonite is just a stone and it's Superman's weakness or whatever. There is a supervillain. You know, and the supervillain is the protagonist and the antagonist. It's a balance. So we need the supervillain to be able to protect ourselves as the hero. That's so true. in order to be able to show what uh, superpowers are of the true innovator, you need to know what the superpowers are of the anti-innovator. Yeah. Uh, Because that's, by the way, a really cool name for for a villain, the (laughs) anti-innovator. The (laughs) anti-innovator. Trademark. Yeah. So, but the idea is that you're describing something. I'm seeing this person that's constantly, it's like the emperor in Star Wars. He is bringing dissonance and chaos into a universal scale. And nobody knows who's doing it. But he's bringing in something that other people are fighting it. But they don't know what they're fighting until they get to the end point, you know. But it's super interesting to see that there's this superpower of this person is hidden. And that's usually what is the biggest problem. We don't see what the biggest problem is. We need to unearth problems. We need to be able to yeah. you know, articulate them. We try to uh, map complexity to uh, be able to see and uncover what those supervillains are doing in order for us not to innovate. It's like fighting the symptoms,
3: not the actual disease. How do we Pardon.
1: summarize our conversation today?
0: Dennis has for sure something to share, a drawing or a sketch well, or something. Well,
1: the weird thing is, if you're talking about hidden things, I think last Friday or something, it was just before Easter, I took like five, ten minutes to draw something based on something that I was looking for. I was looking for the difference between a protagonist and an antagonist. I wanted to teach this to my kids. Because it's two very difficult words, but it's just superhero and villain. We actually did a game at the table to see if they were able to pinpoint what the antagonist was in a movie, and it was really really interesting to see. But I made this drawing. I don't know if you're able to see it. But he's
3: uh, he's grabbing his sketchbook for you listening. Yes, yes. he's oh, paging
1: yeah. frantically, frantically paging through it. So it's a starting sketch of the protagonist and the antagonist who are constantly battling each other inside of a space.
3: It looks like you've done this in like an infinity loop or what? Or am I missing, not seeing the full?
1: The idea is that the protagonist has a way to move from their core into a circle. And the antagonist also has a core that drives this. So you have a core villain and you have a core good guy. And that's driving the center thing. So the idea for us, why am I showing this? is the idea that we've been talking about, of course, is that we're unearthing superpowers. And they do not exist without the fact that there are countering powers. Yeah. So if we want to wrap this up in a way that you're saying, well, let's see if we can show this. It's never only a superpower. It needs to be also the negative side, the dark side. And the hero's journey is complete in that sense. (laughs) It is the combination of all those things That propels also the ability to innovate because you also need to know, and this is where your thoughts about being able to stand on the shoulder of achievement and giants of old, Joshua, is that you become a time traveler and are able to know what the evil tricks are of the anti-innovator. But he or she or it will always be one step ahead to fuck your things up. That's why we have fuck up nights. <laughs> Affiliate link. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, good
2: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dennis, and just building off that and sort of trying to bring a summary to what we discussed, and I'm drawn to the word that two words that you used, Van, is hyper honesty. And I think if you frame things under hyper honesty and honesty in particular, and you put the five points, the superpowers that we've outlined in the discussion today underneath that. I think it provides an extremely powerful framework to think about innovation. And the reason for that is because I think, firstly, if we're honest with ourselves in terms of what we can do and what we can bring to the party and how we can bring that to the party, I think we'll do far better work and we'll be innovative in our thinking. If we're honest with the skill set that we have and how we can deliver that to the clients that we work with and the businesses and teams that we in ourselves. And then thirdly, if we're honest with the environment that we're in, and what I mean by that is we are in a far different space to where we were 10 years ago, even 12 months ago. And if we think deeply about that and are honest with the constraints and the constructs that we have, we can then be innovative in our thinking. to And I think, Josh,
3: what I want to add to that honesty thing, right? And this is also not completely thought through, but something I heard yesterday as well, yesterday was very productive, is that the the element that you have to use in honesty. So the the last thing that I'm saying is that you have this person in the room sitting there. It's not going to work. It's terrible. Like even if you see the whole ship is on fire, I think the honesty comes into play when you are honest to the fact that someone can actually do something with your honesty. So when you're in the middle of a big project, sometimes I would not tell my team certain things because to tell them that the ship is on fire is not going to help them through the process, but you tell them things that they can work with right? So the honesty comes into that place, like being honest at the right time, but then being honest in a way that it's actionable honesty in a way. I don't know if that even exists, but you can use the insight that a person... This is
1: where the zoom in, zoom out, and yes and no are helping the person that is honest to be able to share when honesty is needed to sustain a certain... Can they do something with it? Super interesting, guys.
0: Yeah, I love it. So... Rapid fire round. What did you learn today? Who wants to start?
1: I'll start. Good. Then we, <laughs> then we do
0: Dennis, Joshua, Berna,
1: myself. Yes. So I learned that we as a group of four are still missing a lady in the sense that we are four guys. But I think between us, there lives a superhero innovator. And we need to see who we can invite that is the anti-innovator, that we can have a different conversation and see how we can make that more visible. I've learned a lot of things that I want to put into some kind of a visual, but mainly that there are some driving forces that are usually on the top of minds of people saying, okay, this is what an innovator is. And we need to debunk that and see how we can show innovation as a force of good and evil battling with each other for advancement in uh, humankind and stuff like that. (laughs) That's what I've learned today.
2: (laughs) Joshua, awful words, Dennis, and it's a tough act to follow that. But I think the biggest thing for me that I learned is something similar to yours around the importance of challenging ideas and thinking that we have in the way that the things that we push out into the world. And that for me is a big takeaway from today. And the other is more an observation is that we chatted around innovation and superpowers and the thinking behind it. And how do we create those contexts and those skill sets which allow innovative thinking to take place? But we didn't spend a lot of time on experimentation. And that's something that potentially that we can look to explore is if we are innovative, do we need to have an experimental mindset in the way that we approach things? Or is that something that is separate and rather part of a tool set that you bring into an innovative thinking environment.
3: That's an excellent one, Joshua. Just to kind of latch onto that a little bit. So for me today actually was quite insightful. So I liked the way that Joshua actually put all the superpowers that we discussed under the umbrella of honesty. So for me, there's something interesting in the fact that we actually kind of develop a framework which is a deliverable it's a takeaway. The one thought I have though, is that if we did that how can we share this? Because the thing is, the thought is that, okay, we all talk here, high five. I mean, Dennis, for example, will visualize it for us, but how can we kind of now help visualize this and make it actionable so we can actually share this with people for reaction? action? And then the other thing that I'm definitely taking away from this, and I think is super important, Dennis, you spoke about it a little bit too, is the actual, the anti-hero. And not only that the anti-hero is a bad thing, but it's actually also gives us the constraint that we can then, because it's really hard To do innovation, if you don't have resistance, there isn't something that pushes back because then you can really start doing the work and leaning in. So that is my thing. And then, Jens, over to you, sir.
0: Yeah, I will take that as a starting point because coming from the corporate background and being off camera now, that's life. Coming from the corporate world, this counterpart is always there. And other people call it the internal immune system, which is fighting against innovation, which I can tell you is there. And it helps as well to get people towards a direction, but it's also exhausting because it's the long-term game. What I love, I mean, always when we meet together is we basically come in and say, hey, let's figure out the superpowers of innovation. And we come out with something that's completely different than I was thinking. So it's just by the different experiences, by the different directions we take inside our conversation, we come up with something that's, I think, triple- quadruple as good as I was thinking, which I I think, like you said, Werner, there's an opportunity to show that forward. So in case you're listening or uh, seeing this video, reach out to us if you want to get a nice drawing from Dennis, or if you want to engage with us figuring that out, how we can help you with your company, either the kryptonite side or the other side or both. Then on top of that, what is also interesting, because I'm very much uh, looking into this topic, it's the human aspect of it. So there's so much human things in whatever we talked about. It's not just the process in itself. It's also how the human players play in that game. Being a superhero, how does the superhero interact with the players and the humans inside the ecosystem? The same with the anti-hero, so the (laughs) anti-innovateur. What is the human factor of all of that? Because knowing to say and balancing no... All of these topics are human traits and human ways of interacting with each other. So it's just interesting to see that that's always playing a role in innovation as well. It's not just a process. It's really such a complex system that that's why it's clear that not everyone is able to innovate, even if you want to. That's a wrap. We're done for today. Thank you very much, guys. (laughs) We need to
2: thank navigate. you thank
3: you once again for the opportunity and it's always good to hang out with these awesome guys yeah always insightful thank you
2: yeah it's here's a parting challenge today we've spoken about innovation and we've spoken about how innovation can make things happen so let's challenge ourselves amongst the four of us to push this out and to take that framework and to innovate ourselves and see where we can go yeah. with this innovation breakfast club
3: boom I mean, I think this could be a nice little kickoff for us. Another thing I want to say, right? If you listen to this, I've now had a really awesome experience here today. So I need to go to innovateers.com. I need to go and put down my little, uh, what is what you call it? Testimonial. Testimonial, because I think today you've really given me some insight. So I need to finally, after months and months of struggling against head over to that website and drop something there if any of the thing was valuable here because we're getting close to that 1 million right
0: yeah not really yet but on, uh, <laughs> we're working on the money. way you're the hoodie man now
1: because I, in my view you are very white i'm wearing extremely black <laughs> i put up my hoodie and i'm seeing myself now as the emperor the anti innovator <laughs> that's good <laughs> <laughs> and seeing how we can battle each other in the future playing grounds.
3: <laughs> Bring it on. Bring be, it on, gonna be, daddy.
1: It's gonna be that, good.
0: That's awesome. So guys, see you again in the latest four weeks. Looking forward to it. For those who are listening, I do a couple of other versions of this. I did a female version, which is coming out soon. So it's a very, very good discussion as well. Thank you very much for listening and see you again next time. Hey, this is Jens again. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you have listened to, please subscribe to the podcast and share the episodes with your friends and people you think might like it too. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, please follow me on social media or look me up
3: at jensheitland.com. Thank you very much and see you in the next episode.